Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And that's sort of like you and I, when God looks into our life and he allows things to happen in our life. Hurts, pains, trials, temptations, tribulations, all these things are not designed by God to crush you. More, they are actually there as a part to purify you, to purify your faith. You've been purified by the blood of Christ, but daily we have to be, we have to be willing to give up the stuff that's in us. It's called sanctification. It's him setting us apart from the world. The Lord says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Peter reminds us that as Christians, we will suffer trials in this life. However, instead of thinking of trials as strange occurrences, we see them as ways to partake of Christ's sufferings. And if we partake of his sufferings, we will also partake of his glory and his joy. We can only partake in Jesus' suffering because he partook of our humanity. He became man and suffered so that our trials in this world wouldn't be meaningless. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. We've been in 1 Peter for, for quite a while, and the overwhelming theme of 1 Peter has really just been joy in persecution. Joy in persecution. In the very first verse of chapter 4, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he shall no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. And you remember last week, we, uh, the week before last, we got into that uh, section of Scripture from verse 1 through 6. And last week, we got through verses 7 through 11 about serving in, in times of difficulty, serving with a right heart in, in spite of persecution and in persecution. And we were exhorted, if you recall, in that section of Scripture from verses 7 to 11, just to be serious and watchful in prayer. And above all things, have fervent love one for another, because it says, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And love does. Love covers a multitude of sins. Don't we? When you love somebody, do you want to expose every weakness of theirs? Now, it's different if you have a friend who's a bank robber, and they want to continue robbing banks, and they're unrepentant, and they want you to, um, you know, they tell you about these things, and they indulge all the information to you about the banks that they've robbed. You know, we, you know covering up for that kind of thing is, is not a good thing, but when we 
our, when we love each other, we each of us have our little issues and idiosyncrasies that drive each other crazy, don't we, at times? And these kinds of things, even sin in each of our lives, we need to be careful just to, to love each other and to cover those things and, and not make a big deal out of those things. Go to the person directly and share with them. We don't have to speak behind their back. So many churches have been ripped apart because uh, of loose lips. There was an old phrase in World War II in the 40s, loose lips sink ships. Because people were um, letting out secrets about our government and about where our missiles were and all these other things. And, And that could be detrimental to any army, as you know. And we are an army of God, too, and so we need to be careful. We need to be careful and to love one another. But this morning we're going to look at verses 12 through 19, and let's just read them. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. There's an interesting phrase. Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. What? Blessed are you if you are reproached for his name? Hmm. Blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone does suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. Why? For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. And so as we look at, uh, let's go back to verse 1 there. He says, Beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial. You know, when you think of strange, don't be shocked or astonished when you go through difficulties. Now, this theme has been, uh, we've been talking about this, it seems, for a long time. But guess what? Next Sunday, I'm hoping to finish the book of Peter, and then we get into something a little bit different. We, Peter has been really honing in on this idea of, of persecution in the church And he's speaking to, as you know, first century believers who were Jewish believers at the day of Pentecost. Everyone who was saved there, most of them were Jewish. So the the church started as Jewish. And then Gentiles got saved later as as a result of the ministries of Peter, as a result of ministries of Paul and the other disciples. He says, don't think it's strange. Don't let it shock you. Don't let it astonish you. Concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. This word, fiery trial, is an interesting word, and I love it. It's pyrosis. It's a Greek word, which means uh, a burning, a burning by which metals are roasted and reduced. It's the idea of taking ore and, and uh, like a rock, and inside the rock are all kinds of precious metals, and they'll heat that up to a great temperature, and it'll separate the liquid rock from the metals that are in there. And then what they would do, as any refiner would do in those days, a metalsmith or a goldsmith or a silversmith, they would heat that metal up, and as those impurities started to go to the top, there'd be a thick level of 
stuff at the top of this thing as it was heated up. And they would just take that, and you know this analogy, you've heard it several times, they would just scrape the top of it off, that refuse, that impurities of those things. And that's the idea here, pyrosis. It's where we get our word pyromaniac for those who like to set things on fire and smile as, they, as, it, as it burns. That's where we get our word. But the idea is a smelting. It's, it's, it's taking those metals and, and, and purifying them. And then the impurities come to the top. It gets scraped off, and then it gets heated up again. And the gold is even, the more, the more it's heated up, and the more that stuff, the hotter the temperature, the more impurities come to the top. And then it gets scraped off, and then it gets heated again. And you keep doing that, you've got silver or gold that is pure. And the more the temperature, the greater the trial, the greater the tribulation, the greater value that that metal has. And that's sort of like you and I, when God looks into our life and he allows things to happen in our life. Hurts, pains, trials, temptations, tribulations, all these things are not designed by God to crush you. More, they are actually there as a part to purify you, to purify your faith. You've been purified by the blood of Christ, but daily we have to be, we have to be willing to give up the stuff that's in us. It's called sanctification. It's him setting us apart from the world. The, the Lord says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. We can be separate, but yet still minister to them, Right? And that's what God calls us to do. But that's what the word means, this fiery trial. God wants to, he allows the heat to be turned up. And they have a purpose, trials, in our life. God allows them. Even in the book of Job, Job says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. And was that man tried? Oh, my Many of us have never experienced anything like Job. Job was a real person. It wasn't some story that was made up. It's one of the oldest books in the Bible, if not the oldest book in the Bible. And there it is. Jesus even spoke of Job. He was a real man. And these things really did happen to him. And it was very difficult. But he says, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. And trials in our life will either make us bitter or they will make us better. We've heard that phrase, but it does. When the heat is turned up, I will either get bitter and angry at God or other people, or it's going to make me better if I submit to it. And let me suggest to you that God's heart is to make you better. And we have the decision to make when, when things don't go our way, when things are difficult, when we have family members who betray us, when we have family members who pass away and we're angry. God, why did you allow this young person to pass away? They were just beginning their life. Why did you allow them to be taken, Lord? Why is my family against me? Ever since I've become a Christian, everybody doesn't want to have anything to do with me. My family doesn't even want to have Christmas dinner with me anymore. And they don't even want me to pray for the meal at Thanksgiving. They don't want to pray at Thanksgiving. They just want to get out the beer and put on the game. Why is it, Lord, they don't want me around anymore? And these are trials. These are tribulations. And they're small, light afflictions, Paul would call these. Because most of us have never been beaten for our faith. Most of us have never been, uh, um, you know, we're all here, so none of us have died for our faith yet. So that's a good thing. But, but the thing is, is fire and light, the purging process. And when he says these things are to try you, the, the word there is to, to, to prove you. You've heard of this too, but... Over in the Middle East, you can buy really beautiful vases on the street, but if a wise person will hold that thing up to the light and they'll look at it with the sunlight shining through, 
And you can see if the thing is genuine or not. That's the idea behind this word. The things that are going to try you. You, 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 know, the, the, you know, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. You hold that, that vase up, and you can see where there's cracks in it. It was perhaps broke before, and a skilled artisan can fill in those cracks and paint it and put a, a glaze on it. You'd never know that the thing was broken. And see, God wants to prove each one of us. He proves us. He allows us to be proved. And that's what fire and light does. Fire is an instrument in purging the filth, and light exposes the darkness, doesn't it? It exposes the lies. And the thing is, is I don't know what I truly am capable of or what my character really is until I am brought into calamity. Isn't that true for each one of us? I really don't know where my faith really is until I'm brought into calamity. And whatever flavor that comes to me, I don't know myself. I can boast a big game if I want. I can say, well, I have faith to do this. Well, sometimes I find that my faith is very weak, and I thought it was strong, and God allows things to happen, and it exposes me. And God allowed these things to happen in this young Jewish church as they began, that they might know where their faith really is. See, God already knows where we are at, but we don't know. So he doesn't allow us to go through things to learn information, to gain information. He can't learn because he knows all things. But I can learn, and I can benefit from the result of that. You know, there's a, I've said this phrase before, a faith that is, that is not tested or that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. God must test our faith. He must try us. We must have to go through that proving process Again, not so that he can gain information, but so that I know. You know, my heart was broken as a young Christian because when I began to understand that very few wanted to hear about anything concerning sin, righteousness, or judgment, they certainly didn't want to hear about Jesus Christ and the life that we can have here and now and certainly the future that we have in eternity with Jesus. And you know, it's very human to shrink and recoil when someone says... um, or, or, or when you say something and you're ridiculed or attacked, it's very human. But that is where we need the power of the Spirit of God. That's where we need the baptism of the Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 4, let me just read it for you for the sake of time here. We're going to be taking communion later this morning. In Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23, this is after Peter and John, they healed a lame man and They were arrested by the council. And it says in verse 23, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Here, quoting from Psalm 2, The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. And here it is. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants, what? With all boldness. With all boldness, they may speak your word. That's one of the things that the Spirit does in our lives when he empowers us, when he baptizes us. We have the Spirit of God in us, but we need the power from on high, just like the disciples. They were born again, but they needed a power to come upon them, to come upon them, to give them boldness. And not only to give them boldness, but the 
the Lord, uh, by the Spirit, He gives us the things to say. Jesus said, when my Spirit has come, He will show you, He will prepare you, He will give you words before you even need to speak them. He prepares us. He shows us things to come. He glorifies Jesus and not himself, the Spirit of God does. He doesn't glorify anyone else. And he removes the fear of man. One of the benefits of boldness is I'm no longer afraid of man. There may be times where I'm afraid of man, but when the Spirit of God comes upon you, and he can come upon you at different times for different reasons, for different purposes, that's up to him. It's not me. I don't have a switch. I don't have an app (laughs) that can just open up my phone and go, baptize, and all of a sudden this thing comes over me. It's not that simple. It's God's business. i got to be willing and ready. Say, Lord, do that whenever you want. When I'm in a crowd of people, if you want me to open my mouth and share the love of God, help me to do that. If I'm talking to my family, Lord, you can do it. You, know? you can open their hearts. The same words of a person who's in the flesh... Even the same words, baptized by the Spirit, can yield a different result. We saw that on the day of Pentecost. So are you afraid of man? And if you are, it's okay to admit that. There have been times where I've been afraid of man, and I'm sure there'll be times where I'm afraid of man, but I pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit as often as possible. Again, not to put on some kind of show, but so I can be effective for him. Because it's not some kind of show. This is serious stuff, folks. My words mean nothing, but when they're empowered by God, the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden things change. We need that. I need that. Is there anybody here that doesn't need that? To live a life for him? I need that. I know that you do too. Jesus said, No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. But God would not have us fear man, but rather fear him. Proverbs says, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You know, we look back in the Old Testament, Daniel didn't fear Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't fear Darius. John the Baptist did not fear Herod. Peter did not fear the crowd at Pentecost. Stephen the martyr did not fear the Sanhedrin. The Apostle Paul did not fear Festus, Agrippa, or Caesar. And certainly Jesus didn't fear anyone. He feared his father. The only thing that was on his heart was doing the will of God. Doing the will of God. So let this mind be in us. Let this mind be in us. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, Do not, be, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear him. He's the one who created me. He's the one, I I know we're, we're going to heaven if you believe in him. You're bound for heaven. So what do I fear? I mean, nobody really likes to think about being hurt or being persecuted in a physical way like some of the apostles did. It would be kind of strange for us to desire to be beaten, wouldn't it? That's kind of a strange thing. That's not what it says. It's not what it's about here. But we are to be one with Christ and his sufferings. And sufferings vary by degree for each person as the Lord wills. Turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we're going to look at verse 16 down through verse 25. John 15. Verse 16, Jesus said to the, he's speaking to the twelve. 
He said, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I have ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, there is the proviso, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. And notice, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, he's speaking to his disciples who know him, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will also keep yours. And later on in verse 23, he says, He that hateth me hateth my father also. You know, there'll be some people who'd say, well, I love God, but I just don't believe in Jesus. Well, there's, there's other verses that corroborate this idea, but the truth is, if you hate uh, the Father, you also hate Jesus. So you can't say, I love God the Father. I love God, but I don't really believe in Jesus. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> he that hateth me hateth my Father also. If you love Jesus, you have the Father. How can you say you don't love the Father or that you love the Father and hate Jesus, it's not, it's not possible. It's all or one. It's all in one. They are all in one. You know, the very natural inclination as a result of the world hating us is to hate them back. It's very easy, very natural. We're all born with that nature. But God has given us a new nature. And that nature is the one that the Lord Jesus has given us, the very Holy Spirit in us completely different than the world knows. The world doesn't know of this nature. It's imparted to you. It's given to you by the Spirit of God. Jesus said in Matthew 5, You've heard that it was said, "You, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. When we look at Paul's life, Paul was very acquainted with persecution and suffering. You remember in Acts chapter 9, after Paul had lost his vision on the road to Damascus, after the Lord spoke to him, you remember Saul was taken into the city, into Damascus, where he was there, and he didn't eat for three days or drink anything for three days as well. And while he was there, God spoke to a man named Ananias, who was a believer, and he said, Ananias, I want you to go speak to Saul. And Ananias was very, you know, not willing at first. Lord, this, this is the guy who's persecuting the Christians. Don't you know that? No, I didn't. Wow, man. Thanks for telling me. I've got to go back to my plan room. <laughs> no, God says, the Lord said to him, Go, Ananias, for he, Saul, is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Are you willing to be a fool for Christ? For Christ? Are you willing to be looked down upon? It's certainly not popular. But why is being so popular such a big deal? You know, I remember when I was in grade school, when I was in high school, you wanted to be popular. And the reason you did is because you saw what popularity did. He looked at the, the quarterback of the football team for the high school and the head cheerleader on the cheerleading team. They were always the prom king and queen. 
everything was beautiful. And you're like, I just want to be popular like that. You know? Why is it such a big deal to be popular? I want to be popular in God's eyes. Don't you? Don't you want to be known in heaven? I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.